This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Are you watching Suits on Netflix or did you catch it the first time around when it was on the USA Network? I just can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of these lawyers like Harvey Specter and the make-believe lawyer Mike Ross and the lawyer-to-be Rachel Zane, played by Meghan Markle. I just think it's a fantastic show, and it's taught me a lot about lawyers, about corporate America. Well, today I introduce you to a real-life lawyer, Jeffrey B. Simon. He's working to put the world back together again. And, speaking of Netflix shows, are you watching Painkiller? It took me a really long time to tune into this one. It stars Matthew Broderick. And I have seen other documentaries and docudramas on the Sackler family and the opioid crisis. But I'm so glad I watched this one. Painkiller. You can find it on Netflix. Well, Jeffrey B. Simon is one of those real-life lawyers behind the scenes taking down Big Pharma. And in fact, he was one of the players in the real-life painkiller drama. It really is hard to imagine, but we really need to take a minute and imagine that people became rich, turning other people into addicts. In fact, they did everything they could to work around laws and create a new way of thinking. It's brilliant, really. Many, many people were convinced that it was okay to have opioids in the house. Doctor gave it to us, it must be okay. It was marketing. It was targeted marketing. It was brainwashing. What other things can we open our eyes to today? Jeffrey B. Simon is next. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments, and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusions physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in to Shine On. If you like suits, you're going to like Jeffrey B. Simon. Jeffrey B. Simon is a trial lawyer who has spent a lifetime fighting for social and civil justice. His new book coming out soon is called Last Rights. He's currently holding Big Oil accountable for an unprecedented heat dome event in Oregon in 2021 that killed 72 people. And his firm had a hand in opening up our eyes to the true story in the opioid epidemic. And that story plays out in the new Netflix series Painkiller with Matthew Broderick. Jeffrey B. Simon, what do you want us to know about that? The Netflix story is not about me per se. It is about what Purdue Pharma did in the marketing of OxyContin and what groups of lawyers did to try to hold them accountable. And I was one of those lawyers, uh, my law firm, more accurately. We, we filed the first case on behalf of a governmental entity in the state of Texas against Purdue Pharma. So it's accurate to say that we were on, you know, the front lines and cutting edge of the fight to hold them accountable. I just don't want anybody to think that uh, any of those 
handsome actors are actually portraying me. <laughs> uh, insofar as what I want uh, people to appreciate, uh, first of all, I want to thank you and I want to thank your audience for paying attention to this matter. And I want them to know two things. One is I'm in my mid-50s, and, you know, when I was in high school and college, I certainly knew people who experimented with, with drugs and lived to tell about it. They lived to, to look back on their walk on the wild side, uh, you know, and contextualize it, you know, just as a part of their youth. That era is over. You cannot experiment with street drugs, period. It doesn't matter whether it's a street pill whether it's heroin, whether it's cocaine, because the substantial likelihood is that that drug is laced with fentanyl, and fentanyl can kill you. So the simple fact is, one try, you die. It's, it's literally that, that grave. The second thing I want people to appreciate is that opioid addiction is not a character flaw. It's a life-threatening brain disease. When a person becomes addicted to opioids, their brain is literally chemically rewired. It is the permanent chemical alteration of the brain's motivational priorities. So if anyone is addicted to opioids or they know someone who is, please appreciate that I and others appreciate it doesn't make you a bad person. It's a disease and it is treatable, but that's how it has to be addressed. And where's your home base now, Mr. Simon? I live in Dallas, Texas, although I'm, I'm familiar with the beauty of the Hudson Valley because I went to Colgate undergraduately and drive back and forth from New York City to Hamilton, New York for all kinds of things. That's beautiful. So you've been up and yeah. down the Hudson. That's fantastic. Did your career work out the way you'd planned? Oh, even better. I'm very lucky. I'm one of the one of the blessed people who does something that he really believes in that provides a gainful living and all the rest of it. I have for now three decades represented individuals, families, and whole communities in mass tort litigation. In other words, when a corporation or a group of corporations harms, you know, either by poisoning or polluting the environment, and when the opioid epidemic in Texas, you know, was just raging from prescription opioids. This is a bit before a transition to what you and I would call sort of the illicit fentanyl phase of it. But communities around the state reached out to me and to my firm and said, we've got a desperate public health crisis here. And the question is whether or not our legal rights have been violated. And so I and my colleagues did intensive research and determined they had that, in fact, the origins of the public health crisis was the deceptive marketing and irresponsible distribution of prescription opioids, which are highly addictive and for which supply creates and perpetuates its own demand. You know, it's still mind-boggling what happened in our country and around the world. It's still mind-boggling. I don't know how you and your team kept your cool as you navigated all this. Did you have a whole bunch of, oh my God, moments? Yeah. Some of those are described in a book I just wrote that's being published this month called Last Rights, and it's not the shameless plug I'm looking for. It's simply to say that I write about this a lot, and in fact, I did a podcast about the nature of the deceptive marketing scheme and the total um, abdication of responsibilities to responsibly uh, distribute these addictive drugs. And I think among the ones that are the most shocking are, for example, 
there was a promotional campaign for Vicodin, which was mock-ups of the United States Constitution sent to doctors uh, around the country. It's on fake parchment and looks like the Bill of Rights, but at the bottom, it's the freedom to take Vicodin. In other words, you have an absolute right, you know, consistent with the Bill of Rights, right? The First Amendment, Second Amendment, right? To take Vicodin in order to be pain-free, a, a controlled substance. Yeah. There were at Amerisource Bergen, which was a large wholesale distributor that distributed prescription opioids in the department that was responsible for compliance, regulatory compliance, they would pass around and chuckle at an email uh, song lyrics which spoofed Wasting Away in Margaritaville as Wasting Away in OxyContinville and spoofed uh, the theme for the Beverly Hillbillies, calling them pillbillies, literally mocking the people who had become addicted to prescription opioids. And so, obviously, if your job is to be compliant and you're laughing about a public health crisis, uh, you're not in the right headspace to do your job well. It's monstrous. It is. There's a line in Painkiller, which you mentioned. Edie Flowers says they were trafficking two of the most addictive substances known to humans, opium and greed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Opium and I greed. That was particularly well said. Yeah, yeah. We, as humans, need to wake up. So many of us grew up with the thought that, well, this can't be bad for you or they wouldn't sell it. Right. And in fact, that was part of the conventional wisdom that several prescription opioid companies uh, exploited. The notion that if it's prescribed by a doctor, it's inherently therapeutic, which in many instances relating to prescription opioids, the opposite was true. But the idea that becoming addicted to these drugs was simply a sign of weak character rather than the oversupply of their addictive qualities. Again, from remember Painkiller, Hammer the Abusers, was incredibly destructive, but unfortunately incredibly effective as a marketing tool for a long time. We're talking to Jeffrey V. Simon, who is the real lawyer behind the historic two-plus billion-dollar settlement with Johnson & Johnson and other big pharma giants for opioid harm reduction. I can't imagine the pressure you felt because you 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 didn't want to get this wrong. Oh, that, that that's prescient and astute. Uh, Texas is a big state. We have over 30 million people, and the nation's opioid epidemic is ravenous in Texas, and so that's a big state with a lot of harm reduction. And what plaintiffs' lawyers do day-to-day usually doesn't include uh, trying to obtain all this money uh, from companies that they contend are the wrongdoers and then try to help organize with, with public health professionals in the state itself plans to provide all the necessary harm reduction reduction, uh, addiction treatment, rescue drugs for overdoses in a, in a cohesive way. And, of course, we worked with brilliant experts, and they're the ones that deserve the credit. But uh, we certainly felt the weight of that task, and we feel like it uh, has been performed successfully and are certainly relieved and gratified by that. And now you mentioned before fentanyl. Is there any way we can hold anyone responsible for that? Well, you know, no matter your politics, by far the most dangerous form of legal immigration in the United States is the trafficking of illicit fentanyl through our southern border, no doubt about it. What not everyone may appreciate is that most of the illicit fentanyl that comes into this country is trafficked through regular ports of entry. It is simply hidden in secret compartments in trucks and cars and things like that. And it is the most deadly and destructive drug that has ever been a part of the American experience. There is already enough fentanyl in the United States to kill every single American. 
and the problem has not been abated. It's growing worse. It is an existential threat. It's unbelievable. It's, I cannot believe I'm sitting here having this conversation with you because, you know, it's one thing to talk about it with your friends and family. It's another thing to talk about it with uh, someone who really can look at it and understand the huge scope. All right. right. Uh, I hate to ask, but I must. What are you working on now? So uh, I and my colleagues filed a case on behalf of Multnomah County, Oregon, which is where Portland is, against several large oil companies because there was a catastrophic extreme heat event uh, in 2021 that struck the Pacific Northwest and killed many people and destroyed a ton of infrastructure, literally melted the cables and cable cars. And they were totally unprepared for that kind of heat. We're talking literally 116 degrees because the normal high temperature in June and Portland has historically been 78 degrees. Simply put, they're not Phoenix. They're not the Sahara. They don't have the kind of heat resilience or infrastructure for that kind of event. And what we allege is is that uh, certain oil companies understood for four or five decades that their carbon pollution from the burning of fossil fuels would create literally a dome, a heat dome, like the top on a pot boiling an egg, that would create extreme heat events like this one, and that they misled the public about it. That no matter how environmentally conscious a community is, is. They never anticipated it be 116 degrees when it's supposed to be 78. And it is our purpose to hold those companies accountable in the civil justice system, very similarly to the way we held certain drug companies accountable in the civil justice system for what we allege were their misdeeds. You have got to explain that to me one more time. They did what to make it that hot? This event was studied in its aftermath. Some of the best climate scientists in the world asked the question whether it was a natural weather event, just a mystery of God's will, that it was 108, 112, and 116 degrees Fahrenheit on three consecutive days in Portland, Oregon. And what they determined is, no, it was not a natural event. It was it was not a mystery of God's will. It was an unnatural event perpetrated by certain oil companies playing God by always putting out, we allege, misinformation about whether carbon pollution from fossil fuel burning would cause those kinds of events, would actually affect you, where you live in America, as opposed to some hypothetical polar bear, you know, on thinning ice and what was once a polar ice cap. And so as a result of that fact, this community was totally unprepared for that kind of event. And there is peer-reviewed published literature that says that our allegations are true, that for more than 50 years, certain oil companies understood that their carbon pollution unabated would cause extreme weather events that would make temperate climate uninhabitable. And that's what's happened. Jeffrey B. Simon, what do you see for the future of our planet? Are we just screwing this whole thing up? (laughs) We certainly have not succeeded in reducing carbon pollution, either by regulation or by diplomacy. And so we are going to have to contend with the fact that our planet is forever changed, that it's going to continue to warm as a result of carbon pollution. And when I say warm, I don't mean warm like the difference between 75 and 78. I'm saying that the surface temperature of the Earth is now three degrees warmer than it was ever. It is hotter on the surface temperature of the Earth than it has been in 125,000 years. Over the last 40 years, we have seen the greatest increase in the temperature of our Earth. The nine hottest years in recorded history are the last nine. 
2015 through 2023. And that's no coincidence. It's because we are continuing to pollute our atmosphere with carbon dioxide by the burning of fossil fuels. And that pollution traps heat, which radiates off the earth when it's reflected down from the sun. And it pushes that heat downward on all of us. And the problem is going to get worse and worse and worse. Because even if we now reduced our carbon pollution, which we certainly should do, the carbon pollution that's there will remain for at least 100 years. So we're going to have to prepare for how to manage extreme heat events and other kinds of weather events in ways we never imagined. Wow. All right. Two questions more. One, do you have any good news? (laughs) (laughs) I, I do. I do. What's that? Um, For a long time, there was a tremendous amount of corporate misinformation about, you know, the safety and efficacy of prescription opioids when prescribed for non-malignant chronic pain. And yet, the pursuit of those companies to hold them accountable for that misinformation in the civil justice system has yielded a reckoning. People now know that's not true. The same thing is happening with climate denialism. Politicians who, for their own power grab, denied basic science, that deny the simple fact of the matter, which is as true as gravity, that fossil fuel burning is superheating the earth, are looking more and more fringe. And so we're building a consensus that these things are true. The problem is, is we've caused so much harm in the interim trying to sort through it. But the civil justice system exists to force those kinds of reckonings. To, to right wrongs where it can. Where regulation and diplomacy have failed. And that is the work of my life, and that is the subject of my book, Last Right. And Last Right is spelled how? Uh, it's a pun. It's last, and then it's R-I-G-H-T-S, as opposed to R-I-T-E-S. And it's about the fact that the right to trial by jury, which is guaranteed by the Seventh Amendment of our Constitution, has been under attack, under literal corporate assault for the last 20 years which makes us less safe and less free and that we need to push back. Great. Thank you. And I wanted to know who or what inspired you to be this guy. When I was a law student, I clerked for a law firm that was a defense firm. I knew that I wanted to try cases for a living, but I hadn't sorted out necessarily for who. And I was asked to do a research memo on behalf of the firm's client, which was a utility company. And what happened was a low-hanging power line was obscured by some trees, and they're required by law for the utility company to keep them to a certain height, and they had been derelict in doing so. And when the mast of the boat they were in hit those leaves, which otherwise would not have hurt the mast, it caused a spark from the power line sagging behind it, which created a fire, which unfortunately killed a child and burned uh, the other three family members very badly. And so as I was doing the memo, trying to find every available legal defense, the light went on for me. I'm for the family. I'm for the family. I'm for giving a voice to this now dead child. This is what I want to do for a living. And so, ironically, I learned at a defense firm that what I really wanted to do was represent people who'd been harmed by corporate melting. Amazing, Jeffrey B. Simon. And now a totally frivolous question before I let you go. Did you watch Suits? (laughs) 
You know, it's interesting. I watched a few episodes early on, but you're probably the fifth person who has said to me in the last month, I need to go back and watch Suits that I've really missed out on something. So I'm going to take that good advice and go do it. That's Jeffrey B. Simon. Visit Jeffrey B. Simon. Dot com. His new book is called Last Rights, R-I-G-H-T-S. I like him a lot. You know, I think I have spoken to him before, but it has been many, many years of doing Shine on the Health and Happiness Show. And I don't even have a staff that keeps track of these kinds of things, but I seem to remember his kindness. I'm Casey. You're listening to Shine on the Health and Happiness Show. We'll be right back. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments, and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusions' physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey, and here we are at the beginning of a new season. We had our Zoom this past Monday night, something we do monthly from January to October. We take November and December off because everyone's so busy. We'll do other things in November and December. But during our September Zoom earlier this week, the theme was the changing seasons and creating a supportive environment. So I'm reading Bruce Lipton which is a conversation for another day, perhaps a weekend. But Bruce is the spiritual scientist who can say something like, a cell adapts to its environment, an organism responds to its environment, and it changes how I look at the world. So look around your environment as we come indoors and close the doors and close the windows. How can you make your environment support you? A little more. And how can you practice what therapist Monica Michaels calls self-hospitality? You probably know all about my meepee by now. The teepee I put in my backyard and filled with beautiful pillows, gorgeous blankets, so I can sit out there and read Bruce Lipton on beautiful days. But even that little meepee teepee will have to come down soon as the weather gets colder. There will come a time when you realize you have to make a change in your environment because it's just not good for your health. So as the Hudson Valley starts to show off all its beauty this fall season, see what you can do to surround yourself with beauty. See what you can do to surround yourself with comfort. See how your environment can support you. As the trees are letting go of their leaves, see what clutter you can release from your home let go. And I guess I have to say, call your local thrift store and see if you can donate some of that clutter you're letting go. All those coats in the closet you're not wearing could be keeping somebody else warm. So with that in mind, I wish you a happy autumn and bring you the thought for the day from Bruce Lipton, who said, if your environment keeps draining your energy, it's like having a leaky bank account, where any money you're putting into the bank, such as by seeing an energy healer, keeps slipping out. You have to change your environment, including any harmful beliefs, before the energy can stay high. Shine up. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on.